All right. I'm starting a brand new series today that I'm super excited about. Uh, in fact, um, in a few weeks, Phil's going to help me out with one of these two. But we're just going to spend about, I think it's seven weeks, going through some parables of, of Christ. I love the parables. Now, I'm a guy who I grew up um, loving stories. I love, does anybody love stories? Like, you just love a good story. Like, I love stories. I think my, I think I got that from my dad. My dad was a big, like, he passed on to me this um, love of um, just fantasy. And uh, I mean, one of the first books he gave me was like uh, Tolkien's The Hobbit, right? I mean, that sort of thing. And, uh, and, and got me into, he got me into comic books and all kinds of stuff. But I just love a great, just epic story. And one of the greatest storytellers to ever walk the face of this planet was actually Jesus Christ. And he told some really, really powerful stories that we call parables. And these parables are just kind of spiritual lessons in story form. It's not very, like we, we as Western thinkers, uh, as modern thinkers, we don't do very well with teaching that comes in story form. We just want to be, we want bullet points. We want, you know, if you're trying to teach me a lesson, give me the bullet points of what you're trying to teach me, and, and that's the best way I'll probably receive that. But in Eastern thinking, which, by the way, if, in case you haven't put two and two together on this, Christianity is and started as an Eastern religion. We, we're the ones that kind of westernize it and stuff. But in Eastern thinking, uh, one of the best ways to tell a, a truth or a story or a lesson it, or is, is through a story. You tell a story and allow people to kind of glean from the story the truth uh, that they should be getting from that. Maybe some of you grew up reading uh, uh, stories like Aesop's Fables and things like that that had a, a moral to it or, or, or whatever, right? And, and so Jesus told these great stories that we call parables. And some of them are, are longer stories, uh, the, the prodigal son, and, and some, some of them are like that. They got some length to them. And some of them are just a single verse. We're going to hit a couple today that are just a single verse. And, and in these stories, one of the things that, you know, a lot of different lessons come out. Jesus talks about um, how we as Christ followers should uh, should kind of think and live our lives. He talks a lot about how um, uh, how what how, what our relationship should be to money, what our relationship should be to uh, the way we think about um, the end times or the coming judgment or however you want to term that or whatever. He told stories about the kingdom. The kingdom is like this and the kingdom is like that, and which then leaves us asking, kind of scratching our head and asking this question: Well, what is what is the kingdom, right? And so that's actually how we're going to start off this morning. We're going to talk about a couple of little kingdom parables, and they're really short. They're, in fact, they're memorizable, uh, and so they're, they're just really, really short parables. But Jesus tells these two parables, and he puts them right together, and they're, they're parables of the kingdom. And so before we dive into those parables, I just want to ask, like I want to start off by asking that question, like what is the kingdom? When I was a kid and I would hear stories of the kingdom, I think I equated because sometimes it just says the kingdom, and sometimes he says the kingdom of God, and sometimes he says the kingdom of heaven. And, and when I would hear those things, I think when I thought about the kingdom, I tended to think about heaven. I tended to think, well, if he's talking about the kingdom, he's talking about how things are going to be in heaven or whatever, right? You know, wherever it is we go when we die and all that kind of stuff. And actually, when we talk about the kingdom, that's not what we're talking about. The kingdom is not a place that we're going to go to the kingdom is how God is transforming this world through Jesus and through you. 
The kingdom is how God is transforming this world through Jesus and through you. And when we get our minds around that simple fact that when Jesus is talking about the kingdom, it's not necessarily a place unless you want to just call this world a place. When he's talking about the kingdom, he's talking about what it is he's trying to do, what his ultimate goal is for this world. It's something that we pray about often when we pray the Lord's Prayer, when we pray, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When Jesus talks about the kingdom, he's not talking necessarily about heaven. Even when he's talking about, when, even when he says the kingdom of heaven, for Jesus, the kingdom of heaven is kind of the dream of life here on earth as it is in heaven. It's that idea of, of what God wants to do in this world by launching his kingdom through Jesus Christ is bring heaven to earth so that things here operate in the same way that they do in heaven. And we pray that when we pray the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus is trying to say, God's kingdom can be a reality right here, right now. God, Jesus is not our future king. He is our right now king. He is our current king. He was enthroned on the cross, and he reigns at the right hand of the Father right now, but he reigns over this kingdom that we are citizens of, and it's our vocation, it's our calling in our life to take his kingdom into this world and bring heaven to earth. That's what the kingdom is all about. The kingdom is how God is transforming this world through Jesus and through you. I don't know about you. But that, that puts some weight on me, and I like that weight personally. But it puts some weight on me to know, like, there's more to my faith than just showing up to church. There's more to my faith than just daily reading my Bible or say, spending a little bit of time in prayer. A major part of my faith is bringing heaven to earth. It's like in the interactions I have with people day in and day out, with my neighbors, with my family, with my coworkers, with other students at my school, how can I interact with them in a way to bring peace and joy and the kingdom of God into their lives where maybe they're hurting or maybe they're discouraged or they're struggling or they're confused? How can I be a peacemaker in a situation where all there is is conflict? How can I be meek? When, when everybody around me is just trying to show how much power they have. All this kind of stuff, I'm, it's our job to bring, to join with Christ, to follow him as our king and bring heaven to earth. I just realized I put a big O hand right in the camera. That was awesome. I'm going to look at that later. It's going to look really cool. All right. So anyway, that's what it's all about. So now that said, now that we know that the kingdom is how God is transforming the world through Jesus and you, let's look at a couple of verses. Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, we're going to start with verse 44. Now, this one verse is, is considered a little parable all by itself. Matthew 13, 44. And Jesus says this, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And when a man, when a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Such a weird little story, right? Just a weird little thing. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who found a treasure in a field, and then when this guy found it, like he buried it again and in, in, in joy went and sold everything he had so he could buy that field, right? That's a, kind of an odd story to us, although a few years ago there was a story 
uh, out of the Bay Area where um, a couple was, were walking on a piece of property that they had in the Bay Area, and they, they were walking on a little path, and this path had been worn down so much that it finally showed a little tin can, and they grabbed this little tin can out of the ground and found another tin can or two there alongside of it, and it was full of solid gold coins from the gold rush to the tune of about $10 million worth. They're just walking on their little piece of property and stumble across $10 million buried in the ground. And you might think, who would put $10 million in the ground? What kind of insane person does that? Obviously, you put that in a bank or you invest it or you do something like that or like grandma, you stick it in your mattress or something, right? But this, these were different times. People didn't have confidence in banks maybe the way that we have confidence in banks, which I'm still not sure why we have confidence in banks, but we do, right? And, and so, that, but they didn't do that. And especially back in Jesus' time, back in ancient times, the banks were very sketchy. They were very loose. Uh, you didn't, pe normal people didn't go make regular deposits and withdrawals from banks. It was just a different time. And so it was extremely, extremely common. for If you had a bit of uh, wealth or maybe it was jewels or, or money or whatever, you would go literally go bear that, bury that somewhere on your property. In fact, uh, several years ago when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, and found so many different scriptures and stuff in the Dead Sea Scrolls. One of the scrolls that they found in a jar uh, there where they found the Dead Sea Scrolls was a scroll of a map of different places where somebody had buried their different treasures on their property. It was extremely common back in this time. And according to Jewish law, if you, found, if you stumbled across such a, such a treasure in a field and you inquired and realized that uh, the owner of that property had no current claim on that and didn't know anything about it, you could buy that field and then that treasure would become yours. And Jesus says this. He says the kingdom of God is just like that. Some guy stumbles across an incredible treasure. He hides it again. He goes and buys that field with everything he has. Like he, he just liquidates everything so he can go buy that field. Why? Because there's something more valuable in that field. That's, according to Jesus, what the kingdom of God is like. All right? Now, look what he says next. It's another little treasure story. Verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. So very similar story, except this time it's some, some, for some reason about pearls. Now, Pearls back in the day, back in Jesus' time, were much different than pearls are now because now you can go get pearls. At, you, can go get, you can go find a strand of pearls, you know, questionable quality maybe over at Walmart or whatever. Like, it's not a big deal. You can find pearls everywhere. Pearls are artificially cultured nowadays um, or, you know, whatever. But back in Jesus' times, pearls were extremely, extremely rare because if you wanted them, you had to go dive to get them and look around down there. And this is before scuba diving equipment, right? So people would literally tie a, rock, tie a rope with a rock on it around their waist and jump into the ocean from a boat so it would take them down to the bottom and they'd, they'd look around and look around and try to find pearls and or, you know, try to find oysters or whatever and bring them up and see if they had pearls and they would do that over. It was a job, it was a task to actually get pearls up out of the, out of the sea. 
And so they were extremely valuable. And this guy that, in this story that Jesus is telling, this, this, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for pearls. Think, um, think American pickers. That's, what, that's the kind of guy this, this guy was. This is a guy who would go from place to place, flea markets, uh, uh, people's properties. You know, maybe somebody was selling a bunch of, of uh, cheap jewelry or whatever, and he would scour through all these things that were being sold in, in hopes of finding a real and true gem, a real and true pearl. And he, this is a guy who does that. He's, he's scout, you know, he's, he's, he's picking through this stuff. He's looking for rusty gold, right? He's, that's what he's doing. And he's out there, um, he, he's picking, and he finds a pearl of great, great value. So much value, like this pearl must have been so incredible that he's willing to literally sell everything he has so he can buy that pearl because he knows it's more valuable. It's like somebody who finds a, a priceless painting in a garage sale, realizes it's worth millions of dollars, right? It's that kind of story. And Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. This is what the kingdom of God is like. So what does that mean? What is, what, what is Jesus trying to get across to us in this story. So it's this. The first thing is this, that the kingdom, the kingdom is priceless in value. The kingdom of Jesus Christ is priceless in value. And when I say priceless, I mean exactly that. Most of us here, most of us here probably have one thing. You've got, you've got one thing in your possession that you know it's so valuable to you, so important to you, that no amount of money would cause you to give it up. No amount of money would cause you to give it up. Maybe it's got sentimental value. Maybe it's something that, for, for me, it's, it's probably, I don't know if I was to really think about that, uh, maybe um, a, a Bible that I have that was my grandfather's, who I loved so much. And I can't imagine any amount of money somebody would offer me that I would be willing to part with that Bible. I, j- I just can't imagine it's that valuable to me. And, and maybe you've got something like that. Maybe it's a priceless heirloom or something. And maybe it doesn't have any intrinsic value. It doesn't have any literal value. But to you, it's the most valuable thing that you have, and you couldn't imagine parting with it. And Jesus' words to us are that, that the kingdom of heaven should have that kind of value to you, that it's so valuable to you that nothing, nothing could tempt you away from it. Nothing could, could cause you to want to give it up. It's that valuable. When we talk about the kingdom, when we get a real and true glimpse, and again, how we define the kingdom just a second ago, when we get a real and true glimpse of what his kingdom is and how valuable it is, like imagine for a second, think of of the world we're currently living in. Now imagine replacing this world with a world that operates the way heaven operates. Like when you get a vision for that, for a world where people genuinely care about one another and love one another and aren't, detru- aren't trying to destroy one another, aren't trying to harm each other, aren't trying to abuse each other, aren't trying to use their power to manipulate, you know, the, the poor or whatever else. When you get a real and true vision, a world where, where we, would, we would not charge tons of money for the cure to a disease, instead we would just develop a cure for the sake of curing people. A world where, 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 again, it was just the guiding principle was love. In everything we did, in every government decision, in every local decision, in every decision about education, 
in every decision about our families and about the way we do church, the only rule was, what would love have us do? Like when you consider replacing this world for a world that truly, truly buys into that, and you really get a vision for that, that that's the world Jesus has called us to help him create, man, is there anything more valuable than that? Is there anything that would, that would cause us to go, no, I, 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 would, I would replace that for a, for a handful of cash. Like, it's that priceless. It's that valuable. The kingdom is priceless in value. It's also this. This is what we learned from those, those little stories that he, he just told us, that the kingdom must be sought. And I'm going to add a little wrinkle here that's going to ruffle some of you. It must be sought and it must be bought. It must be sought and it must be bought. And what I mean by that is this. I don't mean that you can buy your salvation. I don't mean that you can buy um, your, your way to heaven or anything like that. I mean that the Holy Spirit needs to stir something up in us that makes us go looking for the better way that Jesus is trying to roll out into this world, his true and beautiful kingdom. And also what the Holy Spirit is going to do in us is he's going to cause us to realize that it is worth giving up our lives for. It's worth me giving my life to, to help bring that kingdom reality to earth. That I'll give everything up. I'll give up my dreams. I'll, I'll, I'll invest my money into it. I'll, I'll raise up my family in such a way so that when I'm gone, they carry on that kingdom bringing vision. I will give up everything for the sake of this kingdom dream. It must be sought and it must be bought. And the truth is this, that when we become citizens of of, uh, Christ's kingdom, the invitation to come in and be a citizen of his kingdom, to be a member of God's family, it is free. Jesus paid the price. He paid your entry fee to do that. But the truth is, is that once you get a real vision for what Christ is trying to do in this world, It'll cost you everything. You'll give up everything to join with Christ in that vision and seeing that dream come to fruition. You'll give up everything, and you won't regret it for a moment. You've heard me say before, every month when I go through paying my bills, there's one thing, and I don't even consider it a bill, but I, when it comes to the money that I give to the church, I give that one with joy. I don't pay, I don't pay my mortgage with joy. I don't do that. I don't pay PG&E with any amount of joy, right? Yeah, boo, PG, and E. <laughs> yeah, I know. We have PG, and E employees here booing PG, and E. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I don't, I don't. But when it comes to my gift that I give to the kingdom, that's the one that I go, oh, I wish I could give even more. I wish I could give even more. Because there's joy in that. And I know that out of everything that I spend money on during the course of a month, that's the one thing that's actually going to have implications that mean something. That really, really, truly means something. So the kingdom is priceless in value. The kingdom must be sought and bought. And then finally this, the kingdom is our true source of joy. It's our true source of joy. I love that first little story. That man saw that treasure. And with joy, he went and sold everything that he had so that he could buy that field with joy. There's something about when we embrace God's calling on our life, 
It is spontaneous, unexplainable joy that happens. Some of you have heard, some of you have heard me tell the story of when I was, um, I don't know, 19 years old and uh, kind of accepted God's call in my life to, to be a preacher. And up until that point, I had a horrible attitude about it. My dad was a preacher, a pastor, and I did not want that lifestyle for my family. I was, I was looking for anything. I would have done literally anything else other than be a pastor at that point in my life, anything else. And then it was through, through Jamie's help when we, we were dating that we were reading the word and praying together, and I was expressing all this turmoil I was feeling inside of myself spiritually. And just literally out of the blue, she was like, Jeff, you just need to be preaching. And as soon as she said that, it was like this beam, this little light bulb went off in my head. And I knew she was right. I knew that's what I had been fighting against, and I hated her for saying it. And I was just, I, man, I had such a bad attitude. I, I was on a career path or at least an education path, and I was excited about that path. I mean, really excited about it. And I just told her, I, I'll, I, I guess if that's what it has to do, I have to do to get peace, I'll do it. But I know I'm just going to be miserable the rest of my life doing this thing. I remember that night we were, again, sitting there in the car, and we started praying. And I literally begrudgingly, I mean literally frown on my face, begrudgingly told God, if that's what you want me to do, I guess I'll preach. And as soon as those words came out of my mouth, I can't explain it, but my heart just filled with joy. And suddenly that thing that I thought I would be ashamed of, I couldn't wait to tell people about. Like I literally couldn't wait to get back to the college, to the dorm rooms, and tell all of my friends and tell everybody I knew and tell my teachers and everything else that God had put this calling on my life and I had a new direction, how excited I was and how it became like God had replaced the old dream with an even better dream. That's just my story. Your story is, is a lot different, but I'm telling you that when you embrace whatever God's dream is for your life, there will be joy that comes along with the embracing of that dream. That's how beautiful the kingdom of God is. Why? Because it, it's, it's, it's part of getting that view for God's kingdom. When you embrace God's plan for your life, God's plan for your life is always going to contribute to his kingdom plan. Always. It's one of the ways you as a Christian can tell if this is God's will. You know, if you're trying to make a decision, is this God's will for me or not? One question that you can ask yourself is this. Is this decision going uh, to translate into the bringing of God's kingdom to earth in some way, shape, or form? I was discipling a guy um, uh, a couple of years ago, brand new Christian. And out of the blue, like God had given him a view for, for caring for his creation. And he started on a different career path than he had, than he had started on before. And he, he became, he went to school and he's working on his degree and he has this, this vision for caring for God's creation as a part of God's kingdom plan. What a beautiful thing. God's kingdom call isn't always just preaching. It can look like a bunch of different things, a whole bunch of different things. It could be teaching. It could be anything. It could be law enforcement. It could be literally anything where you help bring the kingdom to reality in whatever setting God has you in. It's beautiful. It's priceless. It's priceless, but it'll cost you everything because your heart will want to give everything to it. But this is the last point I want to make, and it's really important to remember, that when it comes to giving, when it comes to the kingdom, in the kingdom, you'll never give more than you receive. You'll never give more than you receive. You cannot outgive God. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm just talking about in who you are. 
When it comes to the kingdom, you will never give more of yourself, more of your time, more of your abilities, more of your treasures. You'll never give more than God will also give back and fill, up, fill you up with. You cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive God. And so, yes, it's going to cost you everything. But just like that guy, those two guys in those stories who found a beautiful treasure, and they realized that treasure was valuable enough to give up literally everything they had so that they could go get it because it was so much more valuable than what they had, the same thing is true. What we give is, is chump change in compared to the treasures that God wants to unleash on us and the rest of the world. And you guys know I'm not talking necessarily about money. I'm just talking there's some, there are things in this world more valuable than money. And God wants to use us into the bringing about of his kingdom in this world. We're going to look over the next several weeks at some other stories that Jesus told. Then They might topically be about some different things, but I promise they all lead back to this first main point. That Jesus is doing something different. He's bringing about his kingdom in this world. It's worth everything, and it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you to change your life. It's going to cost you to reorganize your priorities. It's going to cost you. But what you get and what the world gets in return is so much more valuable. So much more valuable. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for uh, your word to us. God, I wish so bad. I, I wish I wasn't the one preaching. I wish we were sitting here listening to you in person telling these amazing stories. I wish we could sit at your feet. But God, we do our, the best we can to in our own headspace, get there and we want to sit at your feet and hear the lessons and the stories that you want to tell us. We want to, we want to submit ourselves to the life that you're trying to lead us down. We want to pledge our allegiance to your kingdom and your kingdom alone and give ourselves completely to it. So God, help us do that. God, I know a lot of us maybe, uh, maybe sitting right here or sitting at home right now have developed, especially over the last several months, have developed a, a maybe jaded or skeptical view of life in our times. God, would you help us replace that with a sense of hope, with a sense of joy around what you are, you are still doing in this world? 2020 did not cause you to push pause on your plan, God, but you are still active. God, help us to look around us for the ways that you are active in bringing about heaven to earth right here, right now. Help us to join you in whatever it is that you're doing. And we thank you for your word. We thank you for, for, for bringing this kingdom to reality, for helping us to, over the last 2,000 years, usher in a world that honestly does look like it's a little bit more motivated by love than it used to look. And we fully admit that it's not there yet. There's a lot of work still to be done. God, we offer ourselves to you in that work. Use us in whatever way will advance your kingdom, in whatever way will advance your name and your fame, in whatever way will lift you high as our king. Use us in that process. 
To this, we give our lives to you. To this, we realize that it is more valuable than literally anything else going on in our lives. It's the only thing worth truly giving our life to, and so that's what we do this morning. With everybody kind of keeping your heads bowed, nobody looking around, and I just want to pose a question to those of us that are here, for those of us that are joining, joining online. If you're having trouble seeing God's kingdom dream for this world, and you're having trouble giving yourself to that, to that cause, to that dream, because you're having trouble seeing it, would you just maybe slip up your hand? I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you out or anything. I just want to pray for you. Yeah, I see those hands. Yeah, yeah. I just want to encourage you to, like, really embrace that for yourself. It's one of those things that's a step of faith. Those two guys and those stories that Jesus told us this morning, it was a huge step of faith for them to trust that what they had seen was actually that valuable and to go out and sell everything they had to give their life to getting it. But they found that they were, it was right and it was that valuable. I want to encourage you to just take a step of faith to go, no, 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 what, what God is doing in this world is the most valuable thing and I want to give my life to it. I'm not going to be distracted by our times. I'm not going to be distracted by the problem of evil in the world. I'm not going to be distracted by any of that stuff. Yeah, it's real and yeah, it's frustrating, but I'm going to give my life to God. I'm going to ask him to use me however he'll use me because I know that's the only place I'll really find joy. And to do that, all you need to do is just, just speak to God right now in your own way. Just give yourself over to him and say, I want to I commit my life to serving you. God, show me how to do that, and I'll do it. For some of us, maybe it's like we need to recommit. We've become too distracted. We've become, we've, we've, we've lost our main focus. And we need to refocus our lives on Jesus. So just do that right now as we pray. Just pray quietly where you are. Father, again, we love you. Take our lives. Use us however you will. Take our dreams and replace them with better dreams. Take everything about who we are. And God, on days when we struggle and we want to take back that offer and get back parts of ourselves because we're afraid. I pray that your Holy Spirit would just come and remind us and comfort us. Help us to realize the dream that you set forth with Jesus Christ. Let that reminder be so strong that we can't help but give ourselves to it all over again.
Forgive us when we fail you. Forgive us when we lift up other kings that aren't you. When we elevate other kingdoms that aren't yours. God, use us and glorify yourself in us and through our church. And we'll give you all the praise and glory. We pray this in Jesus' name.